You are listening to WRFG Atlanta, 89.3 FM. Up next, Alternative Perspectives, Atlanta's only queer radio hour. Hold on tight. And thank you so much for listening to WRFG Atlanta 89.3 FM. Uh, Welcome once again to the wonderful world of alternative perspectives. This is Atlanta's only local radio hour devoted exclusively to issues affecting Atlanta's queer community. I am your host, Greg Bosson. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. Uh, One thing I did want to say before we get started here is that our spring fund drive is coming up uh, and it's starting, I believe, next week. Not that you can't donate earlier, but it is starting in earnest next week. Uh, For those of you that don't know, WRFG stands for Radio Free Georgia. That's the RFG. And uh, that is because we are really the only community-based radio station in Atlanta that's nonprofit and able to speak freely uh, on progressive issues that we all care about. And it's important. And and in addition to that, we play all kinds of unique and interesting music that you don't usually hear on other uh, in other media, certainly in the on the radio. And so we are all volunteer run. There are a total of two employees, but every one of the individuals that you hear on the air, including myself, are volunteers. And uh, 24-7, we have a volunteer. So every time you turn on WRFG and you listen, the person who has put together that show, the guests, everything is volunteer. Tiered. Uh, and so, but we do have costs. We have to pay for the tower. Uh, we have to pay for equipment. We have to pay for rent on the space. And of course, we do have two employees uh, that uh, Juanique and Christopher that keep everything going behind the scenes and in front of the scenes. They both have shows uh, and we need to pay for them. So I am hopeful that you will consider making a donation. And actually, you will make a donation. Uh, to do that, you can simply go to WRFG.org and click on the Donate Now button. Um, uh, there is a place where you can say what show it relates to if you would like to do that. And please say Alternative Perspectives so that they know that I'm actually asking you for um a donation but anyway uh it is uh march the 14th the clocks have turned and uh we have a very interesting guest uh on tonight to discuss something that i am fairly unaware of (laughs) um but we also have news first so i'm actually gonna get to that news of the queer uh-uh. I know that's right. Oh, no, she didn't say what. And we have Alexa with us to give us the news. Um, but before we get into that, hey, Alexa, how are you? Hey, Greg. Always a pleasure. And you look fabulous, by the way. Thank I know you. you really do. You really do. Um, so sweet. Uh, but uh, no, so it, there's this something that it's called E M E E N M is what it's called, right? E N M, which is ethical non non-monogamy yeah i've actually never heard the acronym but i'm Uh, definitely familiar with ethical non-monogamy all right so um uh, i ran across an article uh that was written in the georgia voice by um uh a uh a student actually she's a graduate student now uh getting her degree in art therapy but her name is divine she writes for georgia voice and uh, she did an article on this um, this new, well, relatively new phenomenon. Actually, it's been around forever. Uh, it's just that uh, it's particularly with the younger groups, uh, the Generation Zs, uh, and in and around Atlanta it seems to be catching on this idea that you can be in a relationship, but uh, also have other connections outside of that relationship, and it can be considered okay. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, like I, I told you a little earlier, I was talking and I have been in an ethical non-monogamous relationship myself. And I actually, it actually was a good experience. It ended 
um, for several reasons, but it was a good experience for me. I think, like you said, it's been a, around forever. Um, it's nothing new. I mean, you know, polyamory, polyandry, all those things. I just think we've kind of re kind of recoined it and um, in the queer community, especially, I think we've adopted it and mm-hmm. said, just we're normalizing it. We're normalizing it. Yeah. I, one of the things that, that she says in the article, and I'll I'll bring this up again when we when we do the interview, but I just thought that was it was really interesting that when you know when you're queer, when you identify as queer, you um you're already going against whatever the constructs are of society, um, which is actually kind of freeing. Um, and it allows you to kind of throw away whatever the rules are that you're supposed to follow in this life. Uh, cause we've already lost that game. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> truly, you know, you're already off the beaten path. So, to right. speak. so, and but when it, but, but when it comes to, um, sex, you know, most of us hold on to the traditional, you know, you have one partner, you don't have sex with anybody else. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, that's um, not necessarily the case. I was telling you earlier, Alexa, that um, <laughs> <laughs> so I've been in my relationship for eight years and yeah. uh, I could totally I could totally see fooling around with another person, some random individual that's not relevant to me at all, just kind of a sexual exploit for an evening and not have it mean anything to me. So I wouldn't feel like it is damaging or has anything to do right. with the relationship but I could not see my partner doing that at all. I would be a complete mess. And so. like I told you, you are the one in the situation that blows it up. <laughs> <laughs> like it's working until Greg comes in and then it blow the whole thing yeah. up. Well, yeah. I, I, they call me double standard Greg. So, double you know, and I own it. To know thyself. Greg. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, but anyway, what do we have going on in the news? Talk to me. Yes. Well, you know, as of right now, we're still um, the state legislatures are still in session around the country. And so, you know, I got to start with our home state of Georgia. Yeah. What is going on with the legislation in Georgia? Because I feel like there's a couple of things happening, right? Yeah, there are a few. There's one that stands out in particular, kind of along the lines of the stuff that we've been talking about, um, transgender care for youth. So Georgia Senate bill bans some transgender care for youth. This bill is slightly different than some of the other ones that are making it through the legislature in other parts of the country. This um, is a Senate bill? Senate bill 140. Okay. Georgia right. Senate bill 140. Okay. So, um, the Georgia Senate has passed a bill to bar some kinds of gender affirming care in the state for anyone younger than 18 overriding impassioned pleas from a Democratic state senator who is the mother of a transgender son. The 33, so a, so wow. back up a little bit, there is a Democratic senator here in the state of Georgia that has a transgender son. And she gave, um, I guess you can call it testimony, gave, you know, in front of the Senate. So the 33 to 22 vote on Monday to pass Senate Bill 140, with all Republicans backing the measure, is part of a nationwide effort by conservatives to restrict transgender athletes, gender affirming care, and drag shows. The bill, which advances to the House for more debate, which this was about seven days ago, so mm-hmm. it's already in the House right now, um, and it has been assigned to committee. Um So, yeah, so this would ban most gender affirming surgeries and hormonal placement therapies for people under 18. However, unlike laws adopted in some other states, it would still allow doctors to prescribe medicines like block um, puberty blockers. So that's that's the difference. Right. Most states are just saying none at all. No, Mm -hmm. nothing to do with gender affirming care. But this particular bill would still allow um, medicines to block puberty. Wow, I wonder. I wonder how that managed to go through. I wonder if that had something to do with her impassioned plea. Um, right. I'm not sure. It could have been a compromise, so mm-hmm. to speak, to yes. um, get garner some more support from the Democratic side. I'm not sure. And what are the chances that this is going to pass? Probably pretty high, I would imagine. High. Very high. Yeah. Um, some of them have already passed in other states. So it's and it moved really quickly. I was talking to a friend of mine who actually works at Georgia Equality, who's down at the Capitol. And she said, Alexa, it's moving so quickly. To yeah. already be assigned to, because I mean, this was a week ago that it passed in the Senate. It made it to the House and then made it to committee all within a few days. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. 
No, I'm seeing here that the Georgia Psychological Association recently came out in opposition to Senate Bill 140, saying legislative mandates that place restrictions on gender affirming health care interfere with a child's and their parents or guardians autonomy in making health care decisions. So, um, Mm -hmm. uh, again, yeah, I mean, we say it a million times, but, you know, this is just the the rights attempt to. you know, rile up the base and um, really kind of a solution in search of a problem once again. But it's just so interesting to me the uh, uh, how opposed the right is to the government interference in individuals' lives. But yet, when it comes to something like this, they're all too ready to go for it. So... Uh, and there are we'll laws like this hypocrisy later too. I got oh, another really? On that. Oh, oh really? Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, tell me what else is going on then. No, we can move on. Okay. Well, I'll go right to that one just mm-hmm. because yeah, it's, yeah, I think it's the hypocrisy. So mm-hmm. it's comical but not funny. Okay. So GOP GOP leader pauses social media after liking LGBTQ post. Yeah, so this is out of Nashville, Tennessee. Tennessee Lieutenant Governor Randy McNally announced Monday that he is pausing all social media activity after revelations that he repeatedly commented on posts of nearly nude photos of a young gay model and other LGBTQ personalities. McNally, a Republican, initially stated last week that he, quote, had no intention of stopping, quote, when pressed about why he repeatedly commented on racy social media posts by the 20 year old. He later issued an apology saying it was not his intention to embarrass his friends, family or members of the legislature. However, the 79-year-old legislative leader has since received national attention, including being parodied on Saturday Night Live with critics accusing McNally of being hypocritical. Particularly, McNally supported legislation restricting um, where certain drag shows can take place in Tennessee. So the hypocrisy. Nothing wrong with him liking pictures of queer folk online. Nothing wrong with that. But this idea that like you have this such public stance against the queer community, against drag shows, against trans kids, but you clearly might play for the team. Yeah, no, then that I mean, that happens a lot as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, no, that's ridiculous. These these bills, these drag bills to me are I don't know. They're the most ridiculous of all, to be honest. I mean, oh, my gosh. It it's such a far reach for them, mm-hmm. and yeah, it I makes mean, no sense. well, and I think what they're you know they they couch it in this idea that we don't want children exposed to sex, mm-hmm. and so somehow somebody in drag it's sex because you know I, I don't know I guess if anybody's wearing a dress you must want to have sex with them I don't I don't know, but anyway. The re- the the result of this, in mm-hmm. my view, because it's not as if we have kids going to drag shows at the gay bar, you know. Um, yeah. but, but the result of this, because you're not supposed to be doing this in public, I think, um, in these states, uh, no drag where kids might see. Mm-hmm. It it's a direct assault on these drag queens that want to read. Um, children's stories yes. to kids in the library exactly it's like nobody exactly. else wants to do this nobody else is doing it and nobody it's such else. a wonderful thing it's just i can't i have been to drag queen story hour it is magnificent oh i'm quite sure it i've is, never gone i'd love to go it is the sweetest thing they actually hosted one at a pride that i went down to What's that city over um, a little tiny small town in Georgia outside of Savannah? Oh, wow. And it was it was like a very small little pride and they hosted a drag queen story hour and it was beautiful. Wow. It was beautiful in the awe and the excitement of the children. It's just unfortunate that they're just using children as like mm-hmm. these pawns, you know, for their. What are they what, what are they calling? Um, uh, What's the term they're trying to groomers convert? groomers that's right groomers, groomers. Yeah. groomers. yeah anyway i just i don't know it's it's and and i you know ron DeSantis is the one leading that fight and you know he's on the cusp of announcing his 
presidential bid. And I, and I, you know, I, I feel unless something major happens, he's on track to get that nomination. I, I, you know, Oh, for sure. Absolutely. For sure. Cause he actually has brain cells. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't use them for well, but doesn't use for good at all. I think he beat Trump in a straw poll in Iowa last week, actually. Really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But anyway, um, so moving on because it's too depressing to think about. Although I, you know, I will stop and say, what can we do? I don't know what to do to fight rather than, I mean, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I, we, we, I don't know. It, it, we're so apathetic as a society these days. We're so just we really are actually. And yeah. just, I, I think we're just tired and overwhelmed and have our own lives to lead and these things it's just you just roll your I mean, eyes there's and move so on. many things right mm-hmm. i think that is a part of i'll say for thinking about like democrat versus republican my opinion is that the democratic party is so diverse you know what i mean there's so many different types of people ethnicities groups so many issues come along with that. You know, all the most minorities are going to fall within the Democratic, you know, Democratic Party inside. And so it's like, how do you unify around certain subjects? How do you get everybody on the same page? It's just, I feel like we struggle because there's a lot to tackle and we don't unify around, say, five certain things. Republicans, they can hate each other. They can disagree on everything else, but they are unified on the five things to push an agenda. Oh, That's yeah. Personal opinion, like, and they go hard, and it's just there's on the on the left, the rest of us, it's just a lot to rally around, yeah. and I feel like it really sometimes hinders us from making you know some larger steps at a time. Yeah, so well, we're trying, but we're exhausted. Minorities are tired. Yeah, well, I mean, really, everybody is because of you know the news cycle and twenty four seven news and Donald Trump and what he's done. Uh, you know, what's that? You know, it's just it, it, everything is just it's just too much, which is kind of by design in a way, because then we can just kind of they just we just ignore things and, you know, they just do whatever they want to. But um, did anyway, you, along the lines, though, of like the unification, did you see that there was I guess there's some lawsuit, don't quote me, around Fox News Station and some of the hosts of Fox shows had to release their text messages for the oh yeah yes yes and they were saying that that you know there's text messages in there talking about how they don't believe trump they're you know they think that that the attorneys for him are idiots yeah yeah but what do they do every week when they get on these shows oh yeah you see what i'm saying just like you know there's a job to do we got to stay together on this one let's get it done yeah. You know, willing to even go against what they actually think is right or true. Oh, yeah. So, you know, that's a, that's a you're up against a different kind of beast when people will do that. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, we we fall in love and they fall in line is what they say. The Democrats fall in love. And you told me that. Yeah, yeah. 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 And then, you know, of course, Michelle Obama with her big line, when we when they go low, we go high. And then now every, there's a lot of Democrats that are like, no, we need to go lower. <laughs> we might. Yeah, we we actually might need to put on the boxing gloves, actually. Which is not <laughs> it doesn't bode well for this country. But um, it doesn't. Anyway, um, uh, we'll go ahead. What else we got? Yeah. So um, so this one more stuff. Tennessee may allow clerks to refuse mar- refuse marriage licenses to same sex cu- couples. OK, So Tennessee, having banned gender-affirming care for transgender youth and restricted drag performances, is now going after marriage equality. Did you hear about this one? No, I didn't. This is big. This is a big one. Yeah. So the state's House of Representatives Monday approved House Bill 878, which allows anyone to refuse to solemnize a marriage if they have religious or conscious-based objections. The Senate is considering a similar bill. If it becomes law, it could be used against same-sex, interracial, and interfaith couples, as well as couples that include a transgender person. Already, no clergy member in the nation is required to perform a marriage that goes against their beliefs, and churches are not obligated to host any ceremony with which they disagree. That comes under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution's guarantee of freedom of religion and was included in the Federal Respect for Marriage Act passed last year. 
But the Tennessee legislation would empower government employees, such as those who issue marriage licenses in courthouses, to discriminate against couples who offend their religious views, according to its its critics and local media. So basically, they're going after marriage equality, which includes, like it said, interfaith and interracial marriages. So they're, if this passes, they're about to start refusing marriage licenses. I could see it happening left and right. Yeah, there'll be lawsuits. Um, but uh, yeah, there'll definitely be lawsuits. I, I assume that, um, I mean, I guess their aunt, their response is that, you know, well, this person behind the counter doesn't have to grant the license, but that other person over there will. Maybe that's what it comes down to. I don't know. Again, I just think it's something to... And also, it's insane. You know, it's like, this is the it's, government. This is your job. If you don't... It is your job. Yeah. Exactly. But I was reading an article or heard a news story a few days ago that was referencing Tennessee and this whole bill. And they actually were saying that... the Because they're passing it on the federal level. This is illegal, right? Like, federally, right. Like, this is protected. But the idea is that they actually wanted to bring up lawsuits. And they want those lawsuits to be pushed to the Supreme Court. So that right. the Supreme Court has to reconsider marriage equality at the federal level. Right. That's the whole point. And I was like, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, and they're couching it in religion. You know, that's their yeah. big thing. You know, uh, freedom of religion. So, yeah. you know, that's how they're that's how they're doing their their uh, the attack now. So it's unfortunate. Um, but, uh, we, you know, we both know plenty of religious gay people, you know, so. Yeah. Um, anyway. Absolutely. All right. Well, we've got time for, you know, one or two more. Um, So what else do we got here? Do you want the happy one or do you want one more of these bills and then a happy one? Let's do that. Let's do a bill and then we'll do a happy one. Take a little bit more medicine. Take a little more medicine. Okay. So this one is Sanders signs Arkansas trans care malpractice bill into law. This is I hadn't heard about this one. Mm -hmm. Um, Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders has signed into law legislation making it easier to sue providers of gender-affirming care for children, a move that could effectively reinstate a blocked ban on such care. Sanders on Monday signed the new law, which won't take effect until the summer. It would allow anyone who received gender-affirming care as a minor to file a malpractice lawsuit against their doctor for up to 15 years after they turn 18. Under current Arkansas law, medical malpractice claims must be filed within two years of an injury. Legal experts have said the change could close access to gender-affirming care for children by making it nearly impossible for providers to get malpractice insurance. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 15 yes. years later isn't that crazy yeah yeah isn't no, that crazy? that's that's but this insane. was a new one for me that they're bringing in malpractice into it like they're getting creative yeah it is creative absolutely because even regardless of whether or not the um the physician is concerned about it the insurance company's definitely not going to be up for that absolutely not yeah that's yeah no so, i mean because come on 15 years yeah yeah that's awful so yeah. let's end let's end with something happy. <laughs> yes, this is so sweet. I stumbled across this. Um, so P flag turns 50. Oh, really? P oh, flag wow. turns parents and parents and friends of lesbians and gays. And yes. apparently nobody else. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. You know, there they weren't trans open. people back. They yeah. take the allies. They yeah. let the allies in now. But not yeah. trans, apparently. But anyway. <laughs> So I so what is P flag doing to turn fifty? I I you know I did go to P flag. I my, my went my, my I took my mom to P flag right after I came out to her. You did? Yeah, she needed oh, it. So she nice. needed it. She needed it. Well, she's <laughs> mama worried. needed P flag. Well, yeah. she was she was worried about me, you know, because she's like, oh, you know, this is the middle of the AIDS crisis, and you know, it's yeah. not cool to be gay, and she wanted me to have a happy life, so. No, I have good feelings awesome. about P Flag. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, well, that, that congratulations to them. That's really awesome. That's awesome. and thank you very much, Alexa, for your time. As you of usual. course, Greg, of love course. you. Um, love you too, and uh, we will be right back.
The following is a public affairs bulletin board announcement brought to you by your community station for progressive information and handpicked quality music. WRFG 89.3 FM, WRFG.org, celebrating 50 years on air. On Saturday, March 18th, the 20th anniversary of the criminal U.S. invasion of Iraq, there will be an anti-war rally and visibility action at the intersection of Moreland Avenue and Freedom Parkway from 3 to 4.30 p.m. This is a companion protest in solidarity with the national demonstration taking place in front of the White House in Washington, D.C. the same day. The shared demands include peace in Ukraine, say no to endless U.S. wars, fund people's needs, not the war machine. The over 200 organizations supporting the mobilization also oppose U.S. and NATO military interventions and economic destabilizations in other countries, including Syria, Yemen, Cuba, Venezuela, Palestine, and Haiti, to name a few. There is an equally strong call to fight racism and bigotry here in the U.S. In Atlanta, we will also be demanding no cop city preserve the Wilani Forest. Again, the date is Saturday, March 18th from 3 to 4.30 p.m. at the intersection of Moreland Avenue and Freedom Parkway. You are welcome to bring signs, banners, and noisemakers to the event. Sponsors of the Atlanta Action include the International Action Center, Black Alliance for Peace, Atlanta Chapter, Community Movement Builders, the Answer Coalition, and others. For additional information for the DC Action, the website is UNAC, that's spelled U-N-A-C, peace, P-E-A-C-E, dot O-R-G, forward slash, March 18. And for the Atlanta protest, the contact is Atlanta, I-A-C, at AOL.com. And that was Blur, Girls and Boys, uh, which I think is somewhat appropriate, not completely, but um, for what we're going to be talking about um, uh, next. So uh, we have a guest with us to talk about this, but I, I really wanted to uh, tell you I had run across an article uh, that was in the Georgia Voice, and it was actually last month. And uh, the article is about something called Ethical non-monogamy, which is uh, the shortened version of it is ENM, uh, and it's been gaining a lot of popularity amongst Generation Z in recent years, of which I am not Generation Z, I'm <laughs> Generation X, but I think my guest uh, who wrote the article uh, is Generation uh, Z. And uh, so we have here on uh, tonight uh, to talk about what she learned about this whole deal with non-monogamous relationships. Now, um, her name is Divine, right? Uh, Divine, and I I can't say your last name, and I don't want to butcher it. What's your last name? Uh, it's pronounced Ikpe. Ikpe. All right. Okay. So, and so uh, now, do, do people call you Divi or Divi? Uh, yeah, Divi, Divine, either one works. Okay, I like Divine, so I'm going to call you Divine, mm -hmm. uh, which is a wonderful name. Uh, Thank you. But, uh, anyway, all right, so uh, Divine is a uh, graduate, uh, just recently graduated um, from Georgia State University um, with a Bachelor of Science in Psychology, and uh, she is moving on to get her degree in um art therapy is that right music and art therapy yes all right okay so that just started so but in addition to that uh she does all kinds of stuff with performing and visual arts um but uh she also writes for the georgia voice and uh this article uh caught my uh it caught my eye here so i wanted to talk to you a little a little bit about it 
Um, so I'm going to read just a tiny bit of the article, um, but uh, and then we'll talk. Uh, humans are complex creatures with varying wants and needs, expectations and values. But the great thing about being queer is that you get to define what your relationships look like. When you erase all the preconceived heteronormative notions of what a relationship should be, you're left with a blank page you can fill in with whatever you like. It's an, a daunting task, but an, an exciting one. Uh, when you begin the process of fully embracing your queerness, you may start considering things in romantic relationships that you may not have even cons ever considered before, one of which is non-monogamy. So I will tell you, uh, Divine, that um, that thought of being able to do basically write your own script for what your relationship is like, what your whole life is going to be like. It really is very freeing, isn't it? And it's what I've experienced yeah, uh, in my is. life. Yeah. So, um, but part of that uh, would be looking at the nature of, uh, I guess, your sex life, your sexual relationships, or even your romantic ones. Uh, and we've lived in this society where we're told you pick one person, you get married. That's the one person that you're with. You never have sex with anybody else ever again. You don't relate with anybody else ever again. And uh, as you say here, um, this ethical non-monogamy has been gaining a lot of popularity uh, amongst uh, Generation Z. Is that you? Are you part of Generation Z? <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Uh, I guess technically, yes, but also I consider myself more of a cusper uh, between millennial and Gen Z. Got it. Got mm -hmm. it. Uh, so it does, uh, uh, from what you're seeing, monogamy is still overwhelmingly the norm, but it is going out of favor. So I guess the first thing I wanted to ask you is what is it that caught your eye about this? Why is it you decided to write an article about this? Yeah, well, it's something that I've been thinking about in general. Um, there was a, a podcast I used to listen to that only lasted for a short amount of time where, um, there was this lady who was a therapist and the podcast was essentially just um, live couples therapy, but it was only one session and they weren't like recurring clients. And that's why it was like ethical and okay for it to be posted. But she had a specific uh, like view on cheating that I hadn't heard of before where she was really like, not lenient about it, but like forgiving and like, trying to understand why someone may cheat and and also explored the concept of non-monogamy and um i guess that was one of the first things that made me think about it some more and just me being a generally independent person being in a monogamous relationship sometimes feels like a little can sometimes feel possessive and like too limiting in a sense um, and so I went to talk to some of my peers about it to see uh, what their thoughts were on it. Because, yeah, in Atlanta specifically, for some reason, a lot of people around my age have been um, venturing into non-monogamy. Yeah. So, all right. Well, are you in a relationship currently? Is Not that currently. Okay? Not currently. <laughs> okay. But it's just, was it something that you noticed in your previous relationship then? Yeah, it uh, that relationship was pretty recent. It ended in like September of last year. Oh, wow. Okay. How long were you all together? A little over a year. Okay. No, that can be intense. That can be yeah. intense. So, um, all right. So it looks like you interviewed uh, a couple of people. Um, one person named Opal uh, and another person named uh, Faye. Um mm -hmm. And uh, Opal is not partnered. Faye is, but they mm -hmm. both, uh, I guess, consider themselves polyamorous in some way, shape, or form. Yes. So, uh, maybe tell me a little bit about what uh, what you learned from Opal and what her story was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Opal was um, interesting because, yeah, like it, she said, she's she's not partnered. She's more so just exploring the world um, of polyamory and she kind of learned through other people she met through like dating apps that were poly um, and their various uh, perspectives on it and um, 
Yeah, it was interesting the concept that she said to me that you didn't necessarily have to be partnered to be poly. You could um, still consider yourself to be poly if your if your love extends um, to multiple people. In, mm-hmm. in that. yeah, I think that was that was the thing from her that stuck with me the most. One um, of the things she she said too um, that uh, I paid attention to. Uh, is a phenomenon of romantic friendships that has been described as queer platonic relationships by people on Twitter. And Mm -hmm. I I feel like I have one of those, uh, Mm -hmm. to be honest with you, Um, because uh, I've got somebody who is, um, you know, we're both partnered, but Mm -hmm. um, and he's mostly straight uh, and I'm gay, but um, we have an incredibly special connection and it does feel definitely like more than friends there's a romantic aspect of it and both our partners are aware of it and have somewhat really made room for it it's not really been a problem um so and i and i i guess i get nervous about when the sex thing comes into play you know i still am really and maybe it's just old brain or maybe yes. it's just what society's taught me. But I was just wondering, um, uh, I mean, did you have you encountered that with any of your friends or with the people that you interviewed? I mean, is there not any because t- completely honest with you, mm-hmm. I don't have a problem having sex with somebody outside the relationship because I know it's completely meaningless. I have mm-hmm. a huge problem with him having sex with somebody outside <laughs> the relationship, which is crazy. And so, th- <laughs> but therefore I don't have sex with anybody outside the relationship, even though sometimes I'd like to, because I certainly don't want him to, but anyway, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just being honest. So I don't yeah. know. What, what have you seen out there amongst the younger generation? Do they not have this kind of a jealousy thing or that I do? Um, I definitely, some people don't, but I think majority of people do, um, not to get too psychology brained right now, but no, I wish you would. <laughs> I li- I actually like that. I've been in therapy for 20 years. I'm okay with that. <laughs> but it definitely has something to do with how we're all conditioned, generally speaking, uh, like monogamy is drilled into all of us. And even though you yourself trust yourself to like, uh, sleep with someone outside the relationship and you know that it wouldn't affect the relationship, you still, there's still going to be a part of you that, um, you know, because of the, like, monogamous conditioning, you don't want to see your partner with someone else. Um, I had that similar issue, you know, I was first thinking about it when I was in the relationship because I had brought it up to my partner and he, um, he was like kind of supportive, but not really at the same time. And he was really like anxiously attached and insecure. So I was like, I don't think it would work out, you know, because uh, that's something to keep in mind as well. How securely attached you are compared to how securely attached your partner is. Um, those are like really important factors because if you're with someone who's anxiously attached, even if you both trust each other a lot, it's still really likely that either them or you could become jealous and it could create issues. Um, like Opal, one of the people that you saw briefly, um, that was kind of his deal. Um, he was married and they were poly and he had expressed to the wife before they got married that he wanted to be poly and she seemed totally fine with it. And they both were sleeping with people outside the relationship, but she always had an issue when he did it. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So that's always a possibility, unfortunately, just like something that if you want to explore non-monogamy, you would have to work on yourself and your partner would have to work on probably separately yeah yeah well you know well one of the terms you brought up which was interesting to me is anxiously attached Mm -hmm. is that your term or or what Uh, yes so uh, tell tell me what that means yeah so attachment styles are um, a theory in psychology which we actually talked about in my class earlier today but i i learned in undergrad too 
Um, basically, attachment styles are come from early childhood. So however your parents interacted with you when you were like an infant or, you know, a child or whatever, like kind of determines how you are in relationships as an adult, unless, you know, of course you grow to change that. But um, an anxious attachment style just means it's like someone who's like super clingy and like insecure in their relationship. Like they are always scared that their partner is going to leave them and stuff like that. And inversely, an avoidant attachment style is someone who withdraws from the relationship. They, um, like, they aren't necessarily scared of the relationship ending, but they kind of, like, expect it to. So yeah. it's like a protective, it's a protective thing. Yes. So but both, both of them are ultimately concerned about the end of the relationship or don't feel secure in it. Exactly. One of them, one of them, you know, grabs in order to keep it from happening, and the other one retreats in order to avoid the pain. I guess. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. That makes sense. Those two people should totally be in a relationship together. <laughs> that does often happen. Actually, it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. So, um, if of those, uh, for those of you that are just joining on us, we are speaking to um a uh budding art therapist and psychologist, mm -hmm. uh, as well as a um, uh, a writer um, uh, who writes for Georgia Voice. And we're speaking, uh, her name is Divine, and we are speaking with her about uh, ENM, or ethical non-monogamy. Uh, when we come back from the break, I I'd like to talk a little bit about the specifics of how people that are in these kind of relationships navigate them, because I know you've spoken to another individual, at least one that is uh, in uh, a poly relationship. So, uh, and uh, we will be right back. Greetings, WRFG listeners and family. This is Christopher Hollis, the Finance and Development Director for WRFG, and I am excited to say that the Spring Equinox is almost upon us. Because here at WRFG, that means that so too is our 2023 Spring Fun Drive. Beginning on March 20th and continuing through April 9th, you can become a WRFG supporter by contributing during our first Fun Drive of the year. With this being our 50th year, of being independent and commercial free, we are setting a goal of $50,000 and we'll be updating our website and social media periodically to keep you updated on the status of that goal. Each year we have three major fund drives to support this mighty community resource and the spring fund drive is the most important as it sets the tone for our financial health for the year. WRFG has been an integral part of my life since I began volunteering with the station a decade ago. It is an amalgamation of individuals representing a wide variety of communities, identities, issues, and connoisseurs of the soundtracks and rhythms to our lives. We are more than an FM broadcast. We are an institution of knowledge sharing, cultural exchange, solidarity, who prioritize those who are often denied access to these very resources. If you too believe in the importance of independent and community media, we invite you to become, to reignite, or to continue your support for WRFG. Once again, that's March 20th through April 9th, and you can contribute online at wrfg.org, mail in a check or money order to 1083 Austin Avenue Northeast, Atlanta, Georgia, 30307, and when air shifters are live in the studio, give us a call at 404-523-8989. Thank you for your support of Atlanta's community radio station, Radio Free Georgia, WRFG Atlanta, 89.3 FM, your station for progressive information and hand-picked quality music. If you search for tenderness It isn't hard to find You can have the love you need to live But if you look for truthfulness, you might just as well be blind. It always seems to be so hard to give. Honesty is such a lonely word. Everyone is so untrue. 
from you. All right. That was Billy Joel, Honesty. Uh, welcome back to Alternative Perspectives. This is Atlanta's only local radio hour devoted exclusively to issues affecting the queer community. And we are speaking to Divine, who is a... I don't know what she is. She's everything. Uh, but we're speaking to Define, uh, who is uh, a performance artist, a uh, budding art therapist, uh, has a degree in, uh, in uh, um, well, her degree in psychology, and uh, is also, has written an article, writes from time to time for Georgia Voice, and has written an article about ethical non-monogamy. So, um when we uh before we went to break divine we were talking about um how challenging it can be to be in an have a non-monogamous relationship so i really wanted to take a few minutes to talk about what it is that's important and i played that song from billy joel honesty because it feels to me like probably being honest is important although i almost wonder if some partners decide that you don't want to tell it's like an agreement that you won't tell the other person when you do it. So I don't know. That's maybe an agreement to withhold information, but not necessarily dishonest. So I don't know. What have you What have you found uh, in your uh, your research, as it was? Yeah. So um, the person Faye that I talked to, um, they are in a queer throuple, and. Um, I got their insight into this and essentially just uh, like any other relationship, communication is like the main thing, um, the most important thing. Like, and in, in their case, you know, when you have multiple partners, it's even more complicated than a monogamous relationship because um, not only communicating to whoever main partner is have to communicate to the other partners and the partners have to communicate to your partner it's a lot of intersections going on there and yes honesty is important as well which ties back to the communication um i have heard of some partners not wanting to know and that's probably <laughs> beneficial for people who may uh who it may like bring up feelings of jealousy or resentment that's probably a good way to go but i think most people do just like tell their partner about who they're seeing and what's going on in that regard that thruple you know because a thruple you know those are three people in a relationship but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're non-monogamous so are those people are you saying they're non-monogamous in addition to being a trio they one person can also step out and fool around with somebody else yeah actually <laughs> can they date someone else mm, we didn't get that deep into the logistics of it but i i don't know if they're really interested in dating other people like that it mm -hmm. might just be more casual mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all right is it is it three three females together in this or uh one non non-binary person and two trans women yeah okay all right i'm just i'm wondering if these kinds of things are more common and you know i you would only know anecdotally but if these think kinds of relationships are more common um when you have you know gender fluidity in the mix you know i'm i'm wondering yeah i think that definitely does have a factor on it um because mm -hmm. when you start to question the constructs of gender, it's only natural to um, start to question other constructs as well, mm -hmm. um, including monogamy and just heteronormativity. Yeah. You know. Well, plus, uh, you know, you know, if you if you consider yourself bisexual or, you know, in terms of, you know, you, you want to have sex with both sexes, you know, it does seem like there's more of a need. You know, if you're if you're with somebody who's a cis man or a cis woman, it seems like there'd be more of a need to step out. Uh, but mm -hmm. I still I don't know. I, I struggle with it, um, you know, because I've been in a relationship now for eight years and mm -hmm. uh, we're actually getting married this year. And I oh, think nice. uh, and it's something that we've we've talked about, you know, mm -hmm. um, and 
you know, I, I, there would need to be. Well, we've we've experimented a little bit. I'll leave it that way at that. Mm -hmm. But but it was very, very controlled. It wasn't a free flowing, you know, hey, see you later. You know, it was something that we did together, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't I don't I don't know that I would be able. I don't I don't know that I would be able to. But I, I remember the the first time um, we experimented um first couple of times we both experienced a little bit of jealousy you know mm -hmm. but but there was but we were there you know and 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 through the process of it we just kind of realized oh well this is meaningless you know what's happening now it doesn't but it was still important to me at least that i was there you know to yeah. see it so um I, I don't I don't know what your friends or what you think about uh, that. I mean, can you envision for yourself what it would look like for you if you ever were in a relationship that was um, non-monogamous? What kind of rules you would have to have? Yeah. Um, I guess, you know, in, in regards to like rules and boundaries, definitely varies per person <clears throat> what what each person is comfortable with really it was something that Faye really emphasized it's that if you do choose to be non-monogamous non you like really have to um set those boundaries with each other and figure out what which what each person is comfortable with um and honestly i haven't thought about it for myself personally in a while since i haven't uh been in a relationship but yeah i think I probably would be one of those people that would prefer not to know the specific details of, <laughs> of who they're saying, honestly. But I mean, that's not the case for everyone. I um, I used to work at this bagel shop, and when one of my managers was um, in a poly relationship <clears throat> with his wife, and um, they were both queer, and they. Had, both had partners like their own sets of partners and they all interacted with each other and it seemed like they were all pretty happy just like vibing with each other and there's just some um, it's interesting to to hear because he would just casually bring oh my partner but you like know he's not talking about his wife because he would just say my wife um wow yeah well, well, I, you know, it makes me, I feel like I want to do, I'd like to hear more research on it, you know, because I do <laughs> think that it's something that's growing. Um, I also think it's probably freaking out most people in the older generation. Um, <laughs> but a lot of things are freaking out people in the older generation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this, uh, um, well, do you have any thoughts of doing any more work in this space or, or exploring it any further? Yeah, I think so. I was going to try and make uh this kind of a recurring thing where I just talk to my peers about um relationships and just get people's uh perspectives um one because i think it's it's valuable to share these sort of stories with other people so people can get exposed to different ideas and just you know think about them even if you don't want to be non-monogamous it's still i think valuable to learn that uh, other people do that and how they go about doing that. And um, yeah, just like sharing people's stories and also from a psychological perspective, of course, I think I find it interesting. Yeah, I, I do think it's I think it's something that um, if you if you are going to venture into that territory, you need to have really good communication with your partner or partners, as it were. Um, yeah. And I've seen um you know, I, I, I know uh, one friend of mine who on the very first date, he says, you know, by the way, I don't believe in monogamy. Occasionally, I like to go out and fool around with other people. And if that's going to be a problem with you, then we probably shouldn't even go out on this first date. I'm like, mm -hmm. he says it immediately. <laughs> uh, of course, he's single. Uh, and then um, the other uh, uh, the other um, thing that I've seen is with the with the couples. I, and I know two or three couples that introduced a third into the relationship and within i don't know two three years the the one of the couple and then the third person who came in after the fact broke up with the other person 
and mm. said, we don't want you. We just want to be with us. <laughs> and I'm just like, I, I can't even imagine what that would be. Yeah. Like. <laughs> to be broken up with two people at the same time and then they're going to be with each other and be happy and you're going to be alone and freaked out and miserable. I don't even know how that works. But anyway, <laughs> um, it's dicey for sure. Yeah, I will yeah. say with, with Faye and their throuple, they all have known each other for a long time. So I do think that that is unlikely to occur with them, thankfully. But yeah. I can definitely see that happening for uh, <laughs> other people. <laughs> Well, particularly uh, people that identify as men. Yeah. <laughs> men, we can be ridiculous. But anyway, all right. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really do appreciate it. I know it's not necessarily your field of expertise, as it were, although I find it completely interesting, and so do you. Um, and yes. I would be happy if you decided to explore this in any sort of a research-type way. I, I'd be I'd love to hear more about what you found out. So, because it's hard, even I tried more than once to get thruples on the air. Um, mm -hmm. And it was always one of the trio that felt uncomfortable about it. Mm. So, um, it's a, it's definitely a thing. It's definitely. Yeah. I do want to make a quick note about that. Yes. Um, in my undergrad, I did take a class called Sex and Society. And that was like a sociology class that did focus specifically on sex and we didn't really talk about non-monogamy like that but we talked about other things and basically the professor did mention how difficult it is to get funding for those sorts of studies because anytime sex is involved people that fund you know scientific studies aren't into it because they think it's like taboo and like weird but it's like again it is valuable to share this sort of information people not just anecdotally but also you know through a research lens um, like you were saying. Yeah, so. well, I think it's fascinating. I think it's mm -hmm. it's absolutely fascinating. But of course, now we're living in a society where they're passing laws outla outlawing drag. So, right. you know, um, at least in front of children, which basically means that I, I'm quite sure it means that they don't want drag queens reading to kids mm -hmm. in libraries. Of course, nobody else wants to do it. These people yeah. love to do it. The kids like it. But... Mm -hmm. Anyway, whatever. It's just going to get me mad. Right. But anyway, well, thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on the show and uh, sharing your thoughts and what you learned. Uh, yes. That's going to do it uh, for Alternative Perspectives. Uh, next up, we have Peach State Festival. And please think about donating to WRFG so we can keep shows like this on the air. See you next week. Yeah,